Tonight it feels so good. good. I thought it was fine. Shit. So fine? You're God, probably yeah, right. I, no, I don't know. I genuinely don't know. It was good. It yeah, was God good. damn it. Let's take it over again. No, it's no. This is the intro now. It's just us not knowing the God lyrics. Damn it. This is as it's true to the show as it could possibly be. <laughs> but yes. United. Hey, hey. But we're yes, back, we are. Y'all. Yeah, we're that. We're back together again after <laughs> a good like five years. I think it, it was. was five years. It was. Yeah, since I went to Australia, year. and then there was that weird flux. Yep. I played the card game flux. <laughs> I hate that game. I don't know that game. Oh man, the rules change all the time. So oh. enjoy getting a strategy. That sounds awful. Mm-hmm. Truly terrible. Uh, but yeah, welcome to Super Superstitious, the paranormal podcast where we talk about science and spooky stuff cool and oh no (laughs) i'm on fire (laughs) uh yeah so clearly we're back clearly we have every bit as much of an idea what we're doing (laughs) as we always have indeed i'm jake i'm wyatt and we're happy to uh do some more of the show with you indeed thank you for showing up um, we did have an episode that was the beginning of this year. We uh, recorded it last year. So this is actually our first episode that we're actually here for as we normally do. We did we had the whole backlog of episodes before you went to Australia where we recorded. seemed like every couple of minutes we recorded another episode. Yeah, we lost our minds. Every few minutes. <laughs> exactly. So now we're back into our normal swing of, hey, we're recording this one and it's going to come out. In a couple of days, like we always do. Two, three days. All thanks to Jake, because that man can edit the heck out of some media. Well, I thank you very much. It's, mm-hmm. The sad thing about it is, like, if I do my job right, you'll never know I did anything. That's right. So now you all know. Yeah. I, thanks to Jake. When we record, we do a very bad job. Yeah. Mostly because I shriek every so often. <laughs> so I have to go through and cut, cut out the parts where Wyatt just starts shrieking. <laughs> uh, then I have to calm him down. So I have to, like, cut out the parts. It takes a while to do that. You have to um, cut out all the water bucket splashings. <laughs> yeah. Which, <laughs> It's weird because no matter where we record, that just keeps happening. They just are around us. Uh, it's, it's. I like to thing. keep well hydrated. I was told this is the best way to do it. So anyway, I've been okay. in Australia. You have. You did science there. Did science. Uh, now, very sadly, I can report that I'm doing science again, too. Jake is back in lab. He's a B-boy again. I'm a B-boy. I dance around. I have a note to myself in my notes for this episode that says, Jake, no longer a bum, back in lab. <laughs> yes. I am actually employed, which is fine. Anyway, it's great to have him back. And it's great to have you back uh, in the it's United States. It's great to be back. And we should do the show. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. So, um, we have ha- we spent a long time apart. We spent a long time not you know actually actively making the show in real time. We have a lot to catch up on, I feel like. We have so much to catch up on. And that's really what this episode is. It is indeed. I will be catching us back up on something, sort of an ongoing saga here at Super Duperstitious, which is the Cuban sonic attacks. Shall oh, I yeah. Be, shall I launch Sure. Apparently, right which, in? So they first started out in episode, was it 10? No. Five, five in fact. Yeah. Hooked on Sonics. So, oh, yes. And then we talked about it again later on in episode 34, Bah Humbugs. I did the homework because I did not. I did my side of this homework indeed. Um, so... Some background for folks who are just showing up. If this is your first time tuning in, welcome. Uh, about three-ish years ago, American and Canadian ambassadors working in Cuba began complaining of sonic attacks experienced in their embassy buildings. They weren't necessarily sonic attacks, but they were like, I'm hearing something weird. 
causing symptoms ranging from discomfort all the way through full-blown anxiety and dizziness. Only like two or three people had their heads explode, correct? It was, <laughs> yeah. it was limited. That is still not on the official record, but... Uh, That's true. Uh, headaches, blurred vision, loss of balance. There was a sense of dull, distant hysteria over the potential use of a new and still secret weapon in Cuba. What's that over there? Is that, is that hysteria? <laughs> I think it is. <laughs> Um, a device capable of producing a very high-pitched, sustained chirping noise. It's right. pretty annoying, but it's like, it's bugs. It's just bugs, yeah. It's, that was purportedly a recording of the sound itself, which was corroborated by alleged victims. Hmm. Um, so that when they heard that playback, they're like, yeah, that's like very much like what I heard. They say who recorded it? Mm, I don't recall. Okay. Right. Others, including ourselves back in episode five, Hooked on Sonics, aired on the side of the sound being caused by just bugs, perhaps cicada, uh, for a sonic weapon that's causing damage through the use of sound. Uh, to cause the described symptoms, it would either have to be in the room, practically on the target of the weapon itself or would be unmistakably gigantic so either you can make a small device but you have to get really close or a huge one you know that would be something that people would be obviously like oh is that giant speaker over there that building sized speaker aimed at my head yeah i don't know what did this um so we basically put it to bed but then just like all sounds that make us dizzy we want to go to the doctor it came back (laughs) Uh, spring of 2018, in the American Consulate Building in China, the employees began complaining of unsettlingly similar experiences to what had happened in Cuba. The case blew back open. Was it microwaves? A listening device? Communist crickets. Communist crickets? A toxin or a good old mass hysteria? Uh, we left it largely open, but sort of dismissed it as hysteria, all the same, mm-hmm. in uh, episode 34, Bah Humbuzz. And then, as tipped off by a close friend, occasional unseen and semi-unheard guest and logo graphic designer of the show, Lauren, way back in September of 2018, I might add, so this is like a half year old now. Sorry, Lauren. Uh, the plot. We never know when we're going to touch this stuff. If you yeah. so send us your stuff, send contact us superduperstitious.com. We will solicit you to do this every episode. We'll complain that you don't. Then you do it, and we don't get around to actually using it for a while. But we do is the thing. And you guys just don't submit. And we get so excited when you do it. We do. We do. So we, excited that we sit on it for months. And we just go back and reread it. Anytime we're feeling a little bit low. Yeah. <laughs> why don't we talk about why the chicken nuggets don't taste so good anymore? Way back in September of 2018, the plot had continued to thicken. Mm. Lauren turned my attention to a New York Times article from September 1 of 2018. Quote, September 1th. September 1th. Microwave weapons are prime suspect in ills of U.S. Embassy workers. Uh, proposing an apparently well-supported hypothesis put forward in a peer-reviewed article, no less, and Ooh. backed by other experts, that the noise could indeed have been some kind of microwave weapon after all. Hmm. It turns out that when the effects of microwave radiation had been explored, um, folks discovered two things. First, that human heads are actually great natural antennae to pick up and absorb microwaves. Hmm. And... Second, that the impact of microwaves on the temporal lobe of the brain could be interpreted as heard noise, even in the deaf. Interesting. Something I had not known. This is termed the Frey effect, F-R-E-Y, uh, named after its discoverer, Alan H. Frey. Walter Frey. 
The New York Times article builds itself off a peer-reviewed paper authored by University of Illinois prof. Dr. James Lynn, whose over 40-year-long career centers around the sciences underlying electrical engineering. I'll read a few excerpts from that article now. In his paper, he said, High-intensity beams of microwaves could have caused the diplomats to experience not just loud noises, but nausea, headaches, and vertigo, as well as possible brain tissue injury. The beams, he added, could be fired covertly, hitting, quote, only the intended target. As described by Lynn in a Live Science article, quote, It works like this. Each tiny microwave pulse, lasting 10 microseconds or so, hits the tissues of the head and heats them up an infinitesimal amount, about a millionth of a degree Celsius. Wow. Uh, scientists have mathematically calculated this number rather than measuring it directly because, of course... <laughs> just jam a thermometer into someone's head. <laughs> yeah. They got one millionth of a degree difference. Now that, also, now that the thermometer's in your head, we're just going to stick your head in this microwave. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to set it to popcorn first. Is, are you okay with that? These micropulses are quite different from the nearly continuous waves that heat food in a microwave. The itsy-bitsy but very rapid temperature change they generate expands the water in the tissues of the head enough to generate vibrations, an acoustic wave. Interesting. This acoustic wave then travels through the soft tissue into the denser bone, which transmits the wave to the inner ear. From there, the sound wave is transformed into a nerve impulse in the same way that typical sounds are, or acoustic sounds specifically. That's pretty cool. I had no pretty idea. Pretty cool, indeed. And this also could explain why only some people reported hearing these sounds. So the folks who are having these strange sense of vertigo and dizziness and just overall illness and hearing the strange thing seems to be very localized, seems to make a case for microwaves. Also, a separate fun fact about microwaves. They are like really low frequency compared to different things on the electromagnetic spectrum. Like, you know, light is included on there. I think we've talked about this a little bit in the past. The main thing is the waves are so big, like physically measurably large enough that the kind of grating you see on the windows of microwaves is small enough that they can't fit through. Oh, that's amazing. The waves can't get through. So, yeah, that's why you can like they say not to like put your head up against like to watch stuff in the microwave. It doesn't matter. The waves can't fit through the grating you see on the window. You're safe. That's incredible, Isn't actually. Isn't it cool? Wow. The idea of energy waves being so large in and space. And yet we still cannot perceive them yeah. with our vision. But we can apparently can hear them if they start to uh, heat <laughs> Cook up your brain. head. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's a self-preservation technique. <laughs> I think I can hear myself being cooked. Um, so <laughs> to me, says Lynn in the Live Science article, Uh, Based on all the reported information, I don't think there is any other way that could happen. People are in the same room, and some people don't hear it. Some people hear it. How would you target it? It has to be a beam of microwaves. So the crickets are firing these microwaves. Yeah. They're stridulating in such a way that... Are stridulating? Stridulating? I don't know. The fancy term for vibration. That's a whole different insect order. We don't focus on that. Yeah. Ornithopterans. Yeah. Yeah. Just knowing its name is enough. So, the medical team that studied the Cuba diplomats ascribed the symptoms in the March Journal of the American Medical Association. Mm-hmm. It begins mm-hmm. the March mm-hmm. Journal of the American Medical Association study to quote an unknown energy source unquote. And that's a journal. That's a JAMA, baby. <laughs> Uh, an unknown energy source that was highly directional. Some personnel, it noted, had covered their ears and heads but experienced no sound reduction. Mm. Again, 
microwaves maybe yeah the team said the diplomats her uh, appeared to have developed signs of concussion without having received any blows to the head to date as of september the most detailed medical case for microwave strikes has been made by beatrice a Gollum, not Gollum, <laughs> as in the lord of the rings but g-o-l-o-m-b Golem, like I said, Golem, like um, Golem, yeah, clay, clay monster (laughs) with the rune scribed in its head or whatever. Or is it a piece of paper you put in its mouth? Oh. And uh, uh, not the, yeah, not you know, some Norse Hebrew. No, no Norse. <laughs> anyway, a medical doctor. <laughs> the Gollum was a medical doctor and a professor of medicine at the University of California, San Diego. In a forthcoming paper, as of September, to be published in October. Um, in Neural Computation, a peer-reviewed journal of the MIT Press, she lays out potential medical evidence for Cuban missile uh, Cuban missile strikes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my oh, God. Bay of Pigs. <clears throat> she lays out potential medical evidence for Cuban microwave strikes. There we go. She compared the symptoms of the diplomats in Cuba to those reported for individuals said to be suffering from radio frequency sickness. The health responses to, of the two groups, Dr. Gollum wrote, conform closely. In closing, she argued that numerous highly specific features of the diplomatic incidents fit the hypothesis of a microwave attack, including the fray-type production of disturbing sounds. Hmm. Cut to a November 12th article by The New Yorker. Quote, exploding mojitos, the first sonic attacks <laughs> targeting American diplomats in Cuba may have taken place 30 years ago. Oh. So, Exploding mojitos? I tell you. All right. <laughs> the article focuses on the experiences of Jay Taylor, an American diplomat who had spent time in Havana, Cuba with his family back in the 80s. Long story short, it sounds like Cuban secret police and intelligence absolutely loved fucking with foreign ambassadors and would outright harass folks to keep them on their toes, I guess. Um, for example, Why not? Taylor recalls in the article how Quote, a Cuban surveillance team threw oranges and rocks at William Brennick, a State Department human rights officer, while he was riding his white Puck racing bike. Puck. Puck. Brennick, who jumped off and fled into a cane field with his bike in hand, suspected that the Cubans had grown impatient, tailing him at slow speeds through the streets of Havana and its environs, and decided to remind him who's boss. Jason Matthews, who served under Taylor as the CIA's Havana station chief, recalled how he would walk from his bedroom into the living room some mornings and find cigarette butts in the ashtray on his coffee table, a sign that a Cuban quote-unquote entry team had visited uninvited overnight and wanted him to know that they had been there. Hmm. That's just sort of a character witness, if you will, for (laughs) the general tone of the world. Hmm. The key element in the article, however, is the repeated occasion of glass vessels cracking or shattering around the Taylor family while they were there. They were constantly singing high notes in an <laughs> operatic voice, though. <laughs> this beer is... <laughs> One of the spiciest sections in the entire article arrives as a parenthetical, of all things. Hmm. Quote, One theory which Taylor and Matthews seized upon was that the Cubans had used Russian technology to break the items. Here begins the parenthetical. The Russians invested heavily in such devices during the Cold War and, in the 1970s, bombarded the U.S. Embassy in Moscow with microwaves. Years later, the National Security Agency picked up intelligence about a, quote, hostile country, which declined to identify by name, developing, quote, a high-powered microwave system that may have the ability to weaken, intimidate, or kill an enemy over time and without leaving evidence, unquote. The NSA 
said it never confirmed if the weapon in fact existed, according to a 2014 statement to the Washington lawyer Mark Zaid, who now represents several of the government employees who were mysteriously sickened in Cuba and China. End of parenthesis. A huge parenthetical. Massive. And they're kind of like... By the way. By the way, here's the whole conspiracy that's behind all the guys. Just want to whisper into your ear really quick. But wait, was it really microwaves? The problem is that actually people are just throwing actual microwaves at the different <laughs> ambassadors' heads. They're just ringing after the microwave <laughs> yeah. hit them. Ah, damn. Signs of concussion afterwards. So. Yeah, they failed to report all the uh, lacerations on the head. <laughs> So the same live science article quoting Dr. Lin that I read from above isn't entirely convinced of microwaves. Mm. They argue that A, to cause the type of inner ear damage reported by those afflicted, you'd essentially have to crank the power up so much that you'd wind up basically vaporizing the victim. <laughs> <laughs> and B, also freaky that you can do that. B, it would be impossible to make the purported recordings of the sounds themselves, the ones that sound like cicadas or crickets. Mm. Uh, even though they were corroborated by victims. Like, because it's an effect of the inside of the brain, not exactly. an actual sound. So. The radiation itself makes no noise. So how yeah. could audio equipment pick it up? Mm. Instead, as of now, we have two alternative options to, uh, on offer. The first is actually ultrasound, of all things. Hmm. The Live Science article goes on, quoting Kenneth Foster, a professor of bioengineering at the University of Pennsylvania. You know, that old, that old dump. <laughs> Quote, regular old acoustic sounds are a more likely culprit for the diplomat's woes than a microwave attack. Unquote. In March, researchers from uh, Zhejiang University in China, hopefully I'm saying that correctly, and the University of Michigan, <laughs> hopefully I'm saying that correctly, <laughs> found that they could recreate the sounds like the ones released by the Associated Press, the high-pitched chirping noise, with the intersection of ultrasound waves, which are normally too high frequency for the human ear to hear. Ultrasound is used for a variety of purposes, from room occupancy sensors to, to rodent, looking at babies, indeed, to rodent repelling devices. In other words, the others wrote, um, or Foster said there could be spycraft that the intelligence community would rather not discuss openly. Ultrasound could be used in listening devices covertly installed in the diplomats' homes or hotel rooms. "Quote: If that's what's going on," he said, "there's no way the government would tell you that story." So instead. They're letting reporters go on about microwave hearing and all that sort of stuff. Hmm. So he's saying, seems to him more likely to be ultrasound. And if they are actually using that tech, of course, they're going to let everyone go crazy about this microwave conspiracy because it's total yeah. red herring. As our second option, we can quickly turn to a very recent article that was covered by uh, Newswise. But the article is a not yet peer-reviewed paper released in BioArchives. Which is a repository for repository, <laughs> repository for mm, scientific work that has yet to be officially submitted, but people want to get it out there for others to cite and use as a resource. Anyway, mm -hmm. the title is "The Cuban Cricket Crisis: New Study mm -hmm. Identifies Insects as the Likely Culprit Behind Alleged Quote Unquote Sonic Attacks on U.S. Diplomats in Havana." According to Alexander Stubbs, a scientist in the Department of Integrative Biology and Museum of Vertebrate Zoology at the University of California, Berkeley, that'll dump, the mysterious noise is actually the echoing call of the Indies short-tailed cricket, hmm. a Neurogryllus celerinictus. Stubbs realized that the U.S. diplomats may have made the recordings indoors with the pulses of sound echoing off the walls. To mimic these conditions, Stubbs played the insect calls of, on indoor speakers, 
recorded the echoing calls, and performed the analyses again. Uh, he had initially tried it outside, and it didn't oh, line yeah. up. The new results were noticeably different from those outside recordings. Stubbs found that the echoing call of the indie short-tailed cricket was a near-perfect match to the AP recording in Paul's structure. Huh. So we have two approaches to try to replicate this sound. <laughs> yeah. Each of them seems to match it well, but they are obviously generated by very, very different source material. Yes. And so that's kind of where I'll leave it today. It's a very much an open story still. Huh. And I, my own conspiracy theory <laughs> that I'm enjoying right now is the what if it is microwaves. Uh-huh. It just so happens to, when you're experiencing them, sound like the sound of local insect fauna. That and so we have... super convenient? Like, it does. It does. <laughs> as far as like, what are the chances? Or perhaps it's ultrasound and it just happened because the ultrasound and this cricket noise, and that is a species that apparently does occur or is very close to species that right. occur in Havana. Huh. What if it may be ultrasound, but I guess they could have just recorded that anyway. So, it's not, who knows what it is yet. The thing that comes to mind in this particular iteration of this story is one thing I haven't brought up before, which is, what are the motives of attacking all these diplomats with... <laughs> like, it's such far a good as, question. Like, the, describing the atmosphere of people being there in the 80s. It's just still during right. the Cold War. It right. makes sense that, like, yeah, these are, like, those different officials would be trying to intimidate and stuff. And it's like, hey, we're in charge while you're here. Right. That makes sense. Now that, like, you know, the Cold War has been over for a while... And sanctions from Cuba have finally been lifted, which don't know what took so goddamn long, America, but all right, whatever. <laughs> it seems like this isn't something that would still be happening, and I'm not sure why it would be. But right. again, who knows? Like, different branches of government do really weird things all the time. The CIA True. is up to pretty stupid stuff in different parts of the world at any given time. Right. So who knows? It's obviously not really having any strong effect other than just like rattling some folks and being confusing. If this is happening, that is. Right. And hey, maybe that's the whole goal. It's like, oh, let's see what happens. Maybe we could use this for something someday. Right. It's really hard to know the motives of any right. given government agency. Or or is it passive surveillance that just happens to affect some people oh, very that, strongly? Yeah, accidentally has that side effect. So then yeah. you have, you know. That makes a little bit more sense as a motive as far as like, hey, right. they're at least trying to do something that makes sense. Right. Even we're, if, we're monitoring everyone. It's just some people have a really adverse reaction. Or we mm -hmm. have some sort of malfunctioning monitoring device. Yeah. I don't know. Or it's bugs. Or <laughs> it's just bugs. Exactly. <laughs> Mixed with that good old MH. What? Mass hysteria. <laughs> gotcha. What I'm saying. Um, yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Makes sense to me as so, all possibilities. And that, my friend, is my first official 2019 segment. <laughs> cool. Thanks. So that was a good, a good update on some, some stuff we've been covering in the past and in an ongoing capacity. We may have taken a break from recording, you know, back at the end of last year. You mm -hmm. know who didn't take a break? The Phantom of the Chicago. Oh, boy. The Phantom of the Chicago. Oh, I can't wait. It's something I haven't shut up about since I brought it up in episode two way, way back. Would you shut up about that POTC? <laughs> and I've been providing updates on it, usually at the top of each episode, uh, for over a year now. It's been a We've lot been doing of this stuff. for a yeah. while, huh? Yeah. It refers to sightings all around Chicago of a giant humanoid flying bat creature, <laughs> often described as having glowing red eyes, uh, frequently described as giving off a loud shriek when encountered, 
typically <laughs> described as very thin. Sounds like me. <laughs> sometimes described as being Mothman-esque. Occasionally described as demonic. A whole hell of a lot of these encounters have been either reported by or curated by Lon mm-hmm. Strickler of phantomsandmonsters.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, the overwhelming majority of sightings were in 2017, especially in the late summer of that year, mm-hmm. but have continued to come in since then. Had you and I recorded our last three episodes on our normal schedule as opposed to all at once, <laughs> uh, I'd have given these updates as they came out. But now we've got ourselves a good old-fashioned backlog. I am so excited. So without further ado. This is going to be acts like... In my notes it said, the Phantom of the Chicago part a billion. Part a billion. <laughs> the first report came on November 14th, 2018. So right around the time we were doing our Mad Dash recording stuff. Mm. Figured an update wouldn't really fit in with what we were doing, so I left it out thinking, oh, how many more will there be until we record again? So many. Little did I know. Go on. It's from UFO Clearinghouse. Naturally. Um... The report was submitted by an older couple who worked as an over-the-road team for a trucking company in Alsip, Illinois. I think that's how you say it. It's uh, a little bit south of Chicago. It's still like at the same latitude as the southernmost part of Lake Michigan. I see um, where you're so talking. Really not that far at all from Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, they both have been driving together for over 15 years and have been married for over 27 years. The gentleman was at the wheel of the truck when the encounter occurred with his wife, uh, and his wife was in the passenger seat. I spoke to them both at the same time at a local restaurant near the truck yard in Alsip, Illinois. We were on our way to park our truck at the yard after being on the road for two weeks. As we approached the railroad track crossing, we noticed something standing in the middle of the road and thought it was a homeless person walking along the tracks. Mm-hmm. We popped on the high-intensity lights, and to our surprise, it was not a homeless person at all. <laughs> the thing looked like a large owl, as in it had what looked like feathers and a flat, rounded face with large eyes that reflected the LED lights on our truck. This thing appeared to lunge at us while trying to cover its eyes with its left arm. We what? Pulled, it pulled on the air horn, and this thing turned its back on us and then took a couple of steps and then took off into the air and flew off into the night. Hmm. We were left sitting there in complete shock as we watched it disappear into the night. After hmm. a minute or two of looking to see if the damn thing would come back around, we continued into the yard. <laughs> damn thing. We parked our truck and walked toward the car. As we were almost at the car, we heard what sounded like a scream followed by another and then silence. We hustled our tails to the car and left for home. Spooky. Yeah, so this one's interesting because it brings up the eyes as a noteworthy feature. Um, like I said, glowing red eyes are described a lot of times. And in the first time I covered this in episode two, I mentioned the biological phenomenon, the tapetum lucidum, mm-hmm. which is present in some different animals' eyes and which happens to reflect light in a very bright way. Uh, and here they specify... Kind of, a, kind of a weird move, though, to... Be hit with a bright light, cover your eyes because it hurts, but lunge forward towards the source. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> but yeah, they do specify that the headlights are, it's reflecting the lights of the headlights instead of emitting their own glow. So right. kind of fits into the idea of, hey, it's an animal. Plus, they explicitly mention feathers instead of bat-like features. That's also interesting. There's a lot of these things say, mm, oh, it had like leathery true. skin, it had no feathers at all. So could be t- something totally unrelated to the Phantom of the Chicago or it could be that they just saw a big bird, and so has everyone else. And they just True. got a better look at it and got a better sense of, oh, this is what it looks like. Birds don't tend to shield their eyes from lights with their <laughs> wings, but like, who yeah, knows? exactly. <laughs> Whatever. The next report is from November 23rd. This is from phantomsandmonsters.com. Plus, birds aren't homeless, dude. Come on. <laughs> Quote, I recently learned of the Chicago humanoid sightings and then about the black-winged humanoid sighting near Rockford, Illinois. Yeah, there have been several specifically near Rockford, Illinois. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was shocking to me because I live in Winnebago County in a city, Loves Park, 
that borders Rockford and is 60 miles from Chicago, and I've seen a similar black-winged being. Uh, I was standing on the deck in my backyard late one summer evening. It was August of 2004. I was stargazing, as I often do, when I was startled by the sudden, furious barking of a neighbor's dogs. Hmm. As I turned and looked towards the direction of the barking, I saw an all-black, seven-foot-in-length man with huge bat-like wings flying across the park that borders along my backyard. It then descended to approximately five to six feet above the ground. It pulled or folded its wings in slightly and then glided along the paved path that runs through the park. It continued gliding through an easement between two houses, disappearing from my sight. Stunned by what I had just seen, I quickly ran in through the back door and out the front, stepped out onto the front porch, and that is when I heard a loud screeching sound. The sound was so loud, and it was coming from the thick tree line across the street from the park on yet another easement. I quickly stepped back inside the house, shut and locked the door, and woke my sleeping husband. I asked him to come listen to what I was hearing. I told him what had happened and what I saw on our way towards the living room window as the tree line could be seen from there. The screeching continued sporadically for approximately five minutes. Then it was silent. The afternoon of the following day, as I was walking to the mailbox, the elderly neighbor who resided in the house the tree-lined easement borders the backyard... Wait. That resided in the house the tree-lined easement borders the backyard... I don't know. (laughs) Anyway, where the thing had flown. (laughs) Right. The guy lived fucking there. Uh, He he yelled across the street, asking me if I had a minute to take a look at something strange in his backyard. Right. What the neighbor showed me was his chain-link fence posts were bent down at a 45-degree angle. It was only and all the ones closest to the tree line. It was just, yeah, specifically the ones by the tree line. He was perplexed as to what could have possibly caused this to happen. I researched for a few months after my encounter and found out quite a bit about Mothman sightings. However, nothing out there matched what I saw that night. So as time went by, it had become all a faded memory over the years. Until now, EJ. So, by design, things that can fly are not usually very heavy. Mm -hmm. Even if it's about seven foot. I don't think it would be heavy enough we to bend about, a Yeah, we talked about different things. Chain link fence post. The chain link fence posts are made of steel, and they are pretty thick. They're designed to be the structural integrity of the fence. Of the, the fence. Yes. <laughs> it's what you hang the fence on. 45 degree angle. <laughs> that was funny, because another instance of them talking about the shrieking sound kind of thing, or screeching, mm. in this case they say, but like, yeah, people talk about the sounds this thing either makes or that are heard when the sightings occur. Uh, next up, we got another one from Phantoms Spooky and Monsters. for sure, though. Oh, yeah. It'd be very scary to see or experience any of this stuff. Another Phantoms and Monsters story, this time from November 27th. Mm. Uh, the specific incident occurred in the Thanksgiving late... Thanksgiving Day. Was it? No, I don't think so. Oh, I don't know. November 27th? I have no idea. It's like the... That was years ago now. <laughs> <laughs> Five years, to be exact. <laughs> yes, exactly. The specific incident occurred in the late summer of 2017 in Rockford, Illinois. So this would put it very much in the same timeline as all the initial sightings. Hmm. Late summer 2017. Okay. It's when we found all the stuff out. That was just before. It was when we recorded the, that episode. Mm. Oh, we were still starting out. We hadn't actually released anything yet. We're just starting. So, oh. Memories. Yeah. The eyewitness, KJ, states it was approximately 6 a.m. and that she was on the outside porch. All of a sudden, she observed a human-like being walking in the yard of a house in the corner of the street about one block away. I like the idea of it being, because someone's walking in their yard, like a human-like being was in the backyard. <laughs> yeah, for real. Um, but then the being suddenly produced a large set of wings and took flight, gliding over the back gate of the property. It's Icarus. It flew closer and closer to the sun, <laughs> and then it fell, uh, then disappeared into the trees and foliage on the next block. There was enough morning light available for an excellent observation. 
Mm. She had trouble comprehending what she had seen and immediately went back inside the house to tell her boyfriend and his mother. She described the being as tall and dark, almost black. The wingspan was very broad. I was able to briefly talk to the witness about the incident. She was apprehensive on coming forward until she was told about the other reports in the Rockford area by a family member. She had no knowledge of the Chicago sightings. Go on. That, that's the end of that particular story. What the fuck? If she had such a good sight, why would you not ask for details about the bat wings, about the feathers or not feathers, etc., etc., etc.? Some of these have also cut down for length, too, because he has followed up on some of these, and it's just kind of more of the same stuff. I don't remember if this is one of them or not. I mean, mm. I'll link to every single one of these stories so you can see the whole article, because, like, yeah, mm-hmm. there's enough of them that I've tried to chop them down just for length. Damn it, Strickler. As we said when we've covered this before, too, it's becoming increasingly apparent that he seems to want to believe it so much that he's not necessarily trying to pick apart stories at all. He's just like, oh, this is the case? All right, well, that's what it was. Did it sound like this? Okay, cool. You saw the same thing. As Mm -hmm. opposed to like, oh, could it have been this? Did you see this? What about this? I feel like that kind of questioning only helps you further legitimize if something is strange, you know? Right ask for those details assuming he's actually getting these stories too i mean i still believe that he's receiving these stories like and i we talked about this when we talked to sharon like Mm -hmm. it's a possibility that people have seen this story blow up and are now just bullshitting lawn Mm -hmm. which is too bad because he seems like a nice guy i don't know but um yeah it's totally possible that people are just making shit up and sending it Mm -hmm. in and he's just believing it but i i do think he is still receiving these stories and just going from there but, like, yeah, not doing any of the scientific work of picking it apart at all. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, just taking for granted that, yes, this is all exactly as it sounds. Mm-hmm. Two days after that report, we get another report on phantoms and monsters. Mm. I, rec- I recently received a telephone call from an elderly woman, SS, in Rockford, Illinois, who witnessed a winged humanoid in 1999, along with her husband and a close friend. There's another aspect of these tales that's that as more stories come in from particular areas or similar sounding things, they kind of snowball because people are like, wait, that happened to someone near me too? Oh, well, that happened to me too. And the kind of, so it's all sort of building, mm-hmm. maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, the incident occurred during the summer in the early evening when there was a full moon. The trio was relaxing on the friend's front porch. During a conversation, the friend stopped talking and began to stare across the street. Mm-hmm. SS looked in the same direction and noticed a dark gray winged humanoid slowly flying near a large tree. <laughs> SS um, stated that it seemed like the being was in slow motion as it glided toward the tree. The friend said, do you see that? The witnesses were close enough to notice that it had small cat-like ears and intense red eyes. Hmm. There were no other facial features visible. It was quite muscular throughout the body and had two defined legs and had arms that attached to the wings. So my first thought was very much just owl, but then those last details sound a little less like Mm -hmm. that. Maybe buff owl. (laughs) Still ripped owl. (laughs) Yep. Uh, She stated that the winged humanoid was seven feet in length with a wide wingspan. The wings were like those of a bat with a leather-like membrane. Hmm. Apparently, the being perched in the tree, but again took flight. This is when SS's husband took notice. The winged being was gliding towards a pair of large pine trees, and its legs were kicking up and down while in flight. It was just really bad at flying or something, (laughs) flailing its legs around. The being flew between the two pine trees and then suddenly vanished. SS said, gargoyle? And her friend acknowledged, yes, a gargoyle. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good conversation. (laughs) Gargoyle? Mm, Gargoyle. I like how, yeah, how casually they received all that intensity. Acknowledged. Hmm. Not just like, oh, yeah, 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 gargoyle. I guess that's a gargoyle, huh? (laughs) That's his son told her about the recent reports and suggested she call me. That's Lon saying it. 
He was also aware of the winged humanoid settings in the Chicago area. So, say, hey, this is happening. Similar stuff. You should you should call and mention it. Mm-hmm. The next story is from a place called Nexus Newsfeed. Seems Ooh. to be an aggregator of just all manner of stories. A lot of them weird, but it's a kind of any sort of news thing at all. Mostly from the protest, though, I imagine. Yes. <laughs> uh, fun fact, this story was one I recently found in one of Lon's Phantoms and Monsters newsletters mm-hmm. from December 3rd, and it had no source because he seldom links to the original sources, which is very convenient, uh, but just says that he came across it. So in order to find the original, I just copied some of the text and pasted it into Google, hoping I'd find Burn. other instances of that coming up. Did you get them? Do you know what the second result was after the correct one in Google? No. You'd better believe it was the Shadowlands.net. <gasps> oh specifically the Michigan God. page. Holy shit. So even up in the Great Lakes. Um also as an update on this, I looked a little deeper and on second inspection of the Nexus Newsfeed article cites Phantoms and Monsters as the source. So what I the don't know. fuck? It's a so, closed loop. I think so. So maybe when Lon says he came across an account, he means one that someone sent to him. I think Lon I has oh man it's 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 strange it's the more i hear the more i think lon has got a whole (laughs) fucking scheme going i don't know because he has nothing to he has no way to benefit from this he does have a book about it but like no one wants to buy it the power of obsession though i think he's obsessed Yeah. yeah uh the account took place in 2010 i was living in hamilton montana with my girlfriend my current girlfriend it was late at night and my friend and i would always go for a drive uh, we had been hanging out for a while, and then we were heading towards the outlet to take a right onto the main street. It was about 50 feet away from the outlet when I uh, decided the mood called for some loud music. This is when shit hit the fan. Out of the, oh corner, my God. Out of the corner of my eye, I see what appeared to be a dusty brown ball of plastic or garbage that rolled into view from the other side of the right fence. Easy, easy, man. <laughs> uh, we were driving closer as this was happening, but as soon as I got a better look, I knew this was not a piece of garbage blowing in the wind. That music from American Beauty starts playing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Thomas Newman. I immediately realized it was a winged, flesh-like creature that appeared to have crash-landed during flight. What? I thought my eyes were deceiving me, and I immediately turned to my friend, who let out one of the most blood-curdling screams I have heard in my entire life. <laughs> I also like and, the... And who among us hasn't screamed when seeing a winged, flesh-like creature? <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Every, this is another thing. The language... The language of all these accounts is mm. so consistent. Anyway, I'm getting part, real. Part of that, though, is I've like, you know, I've spent a lot of time on Reddit and stuff and looking at just different people posting in these kind of communities, and a lot of it is just people wanting to sound like, you know, they're talking about trying to sound yes, sort of like good writers, but they don't know how to be. And so the result is people using a lot of language that sounds literature-esque, Quite but isn't. Very true. And these are these are totally unrelated to these same stories. This is like all different parts of like you know the um, humanoid encounters subreddit or like the paranormal subreddit. People who are just in that same frame of mind, but not at all connected to one another necessarily in terms of communicating one on one. It's I guess I guess for me it's the so often they go winged X Y and Z rather than it was some kind of thing that had wings or some kind of thing that had these you know or a big bat or something like, it was oh, a big a, bat that looked a like a man humanoid yeah. creature yeah that, you know, that is true it's always a winged etc cetera, etc cetera, 
a winged, darkish, etc. Et a problem that I suffer from is having read so many. I don't even report on all of them. I report on a lot of them, but I skipped over a bunch because there's so many. I believe it. I think I've become really desensitized to it. That's fair. No, and I, I, I. So I'm just like, yep, okay, this is how these stories go. Like I'm just like checking off list. Yep, okay, it's winged. It's humanoid, <laughs> flesh-like being. <laughs> it looks flesh-like to me. <laughs> Um, oh. I also <laughs> a winged fleshlight being that'd be funny. Oh, um, I also like the image of turning to your friend in the car while driving, and only once you've turned to them do they let <laughs> down the screen. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm only being this critical because I'm thrilled by it. But these consistencies in the stories make me start to feel like I'm being had. One of the things that did stick out to me that I really kind of picked up more was the description of them. Like As far as the sound they make, people specifically saying that they um, shriek. <laughs> Describing the sound as a shriek. Mm-hmm. And that was a very specific word people would use. Right. I guess a word you don't use in your everyday vocabulary. I mean, hopefully you don't have a reason to. But, but it's, well, it's, a, it's unless you're in my shoes. <laughs> yes. But luckily, some of these said screech instead, which is kind of a little bit more of a common word to use. But it's, I don't know. So, like, that, shriek, that's one that yeah, is, is, that's one particular word that has, has stuck out to me is shriek. Right. Um, it's not an antiquated word, but it's a less common word than like screech or scream. Shrieking. Yeah, it's yeah. true. Um, so, I, I do see what you mean. There is a language similarity that comes up a lot, which to me, like, again, assuming trying to hope the best that lon is not making anything up himself of course of course it's i i truly do I, not mean to be a, no no uh, no and i don't think you are it's me thinking okay this is seems like possibly pointing towards people are fucking with lon <laughs> like other people just like making up more of the same sounding stories i don't know if that's true or not right. it's, and it's impossible to test as far as i can tell we mentioned the idea of possibly trying to send in our own story to test the, like, oh, the how the stringent scrutiny. he is yeah but then we realized pretty quickly that it's just going to go through and just add to the noise, probably. Maybe though. But if we could, we, if we could plan Let's on a way to, it. I'm still tempted. Just, we got to just figure we out could how go to. about it in a sense of going like, I think I maybe saw one, but can you help me validate the details? If we were to describe as much as we could a bird, but make it sound like there's <laughs> yeah. a, like there's a, some kind of plausible deniability where it could be. This Something creature, else, and right. see if he were to steer us away from the bird and towards the phantom, or yeah, back towards double think yourself. Maybe you just saw a turkey vulture or something, right? I like so, that. That could be an approach. So let's, okay. let's let's put a pin in there. Mm-hmm. Let's try that out. We can make let's it do the, that right now. The Strickler stringency test. Let's call Lon. What time is it? <laughs> yeah, it's not too late. <laughs> boop, 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 boop. Lon, you're on the line. Oh, hey. <laughs> put, like, this on. hang on, oh. guys. Yeah, you do it. Somehow he can hear us live. Like he's just like, oh, I'm glad. Long time listener, first time caller. Or like, well, we called you. Is it? Oh no. Like I like to say, long time listener. (laughs) It's a little joke I have. (laughs) Anyway, um, quote. I kept looking at him and looking back at this thing. My friend was so scared he flew his legs into the air up against the passenger window and windshield, as if that would shield him from the creature we were approaching. So the screaming friend was just really freaked out. He like curled um, into a ball or something. Kind of like he just like threw his legs up like, in front of him, like kind of just, I don't know. <laughs> what an insane thing to do! <laughs> <laughs> I kept repeating, "What is that? What is that? What is that sound?" <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> what was it? 
uh, what uh, what is that fog? <laughs> what is, what is that fog? Currently, is our best hypothesis for the meaning of the acronym WTF. And if you have any further information Please on what do that submit, means, and we'll read your submissions. Contact at superduperstitious.com. Help us get to the bottom of this mystery. Yeah, WTF. What does that stand for? Please help us. As soon as the creature came to its senses, it planted its feet and took off flying in the opposite direction of my car. At this point, I stopped the car, and all I remember is the heavy breathing from both my friend and I from the adrenaline, and we watched the silhouette of this thing fly away. The wingspan on this creature was at least was at least six to eight feet. Sorry, it's all capitals. It seemed <laughs> to have webbing like a bat, no feathers. We watched it until it was not visible, which took a good while, two to three minutes. I remember my friend told me, please, just take me home. We took off and headed back into town. The next day, I woke up and immediately called him. I asked him, what did you see? wanted him to tell me first so that what I had to say did not influence him in his recollection of this creature. He told me, it was a flesh-like creature. It was not a bird. There were no feathers. I have to assume that what he's trying to say is like a, I don't know. Like Corporeal flesh- being with I don't skin? Think, I think like he said a winged flesh-like creature. I, th- I think he meant to hyphenate. Flesh-like I think he meant to a hyphenate weird. a different part, like winged flesh, like or like trying to describe it as having... No fur, like sc- skin wings. Skin. I think that's what he's trying Bald. to say. Bald, but he sure isn't fur- saying it, is he? Yeah, hairless. Um, you know, f- no fur. Yes. Uh, so what he said was, it was a flesh-like creature. It was not a bird. There were no feathers. I asked him what color was it. He told me brownish, and I said sort of gray. He said, "Oh my god, yes." The way I described this thing is a gigantic bat slash humanoid with wings. There was not one feather on this flying creature. I mention this because anyone I tell this story to tells me I probably saw a bird of some sort. I remember this creature being slightly hairy. My theory as to why it was rolling around on the ground um, was if maybe it had crash landed out of the sky. I think my subwoofer slash sound system might have messed with its navigation, and that is another reason why I think it might have been a gigantic bat. Oh, God. He, he specifically brought up like, turning on loud music, and then this happened. So he was thinking, oh, maybe like when I turned that on, it, it caused its, like it's sonar to screw up and it fell out of the sky which of course with bats is usually high frequency rather than a low subwoofer right. yeah but, but the, maybe the bigger the bat gets the lower the frequency the more flesh like they are <laughs> uh quote can anyone help me expl- help explain what i have seen has anyone had similar experience with gigantic bat-like creatures or <laughs> or flesh-like creatures for that <laughs> or winged for that bat. yes <laughs> so <laughs> Uh, I've got yet another one. This one from December 29th. Also, Phantoms and Monsters. Nice. Quote, around June 2013 in Salina, Utah. This is kind of going away from our usual, like, Great Lakes, Chicago area. I was walking under a street lamp with a friend. He was talking and I was looking at the stars as we walked. I imagine just looking straight (laughs) up into the air. Yeah. Um, We walked under a street lamp that was also shining light upwards. Plain as day, Mm. I saw a flying humanoid, head, body, arms, and legs, almost like a human, fly above the street lamp, flying about 10 feet from the edge of the asphalt road, 30 to 40 feet off the ground, flying in the opposite direction as we were walking. Such specific dimensions of (laughs) space. The creature was traveling south on the west side of the road. The height, I would say, is around the size of an adult human. Its arms, legs, and body were athletic looking, but looked like it hardly had any muscle. So, kind of consistent with the really thin description of them. Yeah. It had five fingers, um, like us, but had three toes. The toes narrowed down to a point, like a cone or triangle. What? It had two wings, coming one coming off each shoulder. The length of the wing was about the length of the creature's arm. The wings were narrow and had very little surface area. I did not see the creature flap its wings to fly. Its wings looked too small to support its body. 
Plus, the body was parallel to the ground and was elongated like it was laying down while flying. The weight of the hips slash legs slash feet should have been sagging towards the ground. It had small hook-like things that came off from the creature's leg, mid-calf area, and faced outward. So he's aware of the contradictions in what he was seeing, which lends some credence to the report's earnestness. Like, as far as he he didn't think it made sense what he was seeing just as he was seeing it. Mm-hmm. Um, it also makes me think that maybe it was a very specific but very confused sighting of something else. Could like, be. He was seeing something that didn't make sense, so it couldn't make sense. Maybe it was just some kind of optical illusion of, like, seeing a plane mm. or something. I, I don't know. I guess for uh, me, so far, if I see even a creature that I know and, like, fully recognize, by the light of a lamp at nighttime... As it flies past, <laughs> I get barely any detail. Yeah. He's like, it had five fingers, three toes. It had this claw thing that came up its calf. It had wings that attached at the shoulder blade, which I wouldn't be able to see because I'm up underneath it, presumably. <laughs> it flew sagging, like, you know, laying down, had all this thing. Da, 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 da. If the idea that it was like, lit up, because he's saying that the, the lamp was shining upwards, too, it was illuminated by he might see details that you wouldn't in just a silhouette. True but enough. Like, True enough. But that's not the most important part of the story. Go on. Quote, I did not see any breasts or a penis. <laughs> oh god damn it no no i don't know what sex it was hopefully it does not reproduce but i'm sure it does oh god damn it <laughs> otherwise i would have omitted this story because it was a different part of the country and it wasn't that interesting but I had to include they... the weird obsession with looking people, for parts people want to know yes what are they packing what kind of heat <laughs> is gonna come off this beast if i get close <laughs> I have told many people what, about what I saw that night, but most people don't believe me. Although I did run into a guy that saw one, I'd say the same species as the creature. He was camping also around Selena, Utah area. It flew down slash swooped at him and made a creepy noise. <laughs> I see. I like that one. Yes. All right. Last friggin' one. And this is from last Tuesday, January 15th. Oh, shit. Son. And still phantoms and monsters. Mm-hmm. Uh, I recently received a telephone call from an eyewitness, D.H., who encountered a winged humanoid during the summer of 2011. Hmm. DH had recently come across the Chicago area winged humanoid posts and subsequent reports I had received in 2017-18. This is the first time DH had been aware of these sightings. This is why DH contacted me directly in order to report his experience from 2011. DH and a companion were driving south on I-35 after leaving the Black Bear Casino and on their way back to Moose Lake, Minnesota. It was a clear moonlit night, approximately 2 a.m., DW was driving a sports car. I think he might say DH. <laughs> he's yeah. mixing up his aliases. He's just, he's just thinking about um, Arthur, I think. Arthur's little sister, DW. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. CW, right? Deep it's, cut. I don't know. I remember. I, I think so. Um, as he was driving, he observed a large winged being quickly descending from the sky in front of him. They first saw it drop straight down with wings horizontal and open. It was at least one mile away in what DH estimates as 2,000 to 3,000 foot altitude. It has to be the most extreme distance anyone has reported seeing this thing from today. That dude must have the eagle eye. What do your elf eyes see? For real, though. A mile away and two to 3,000 feet high. And to be able to estimate that elevation or altitude. Like, what the fuck is with these numbers? Yeah. We've established this before while talking about this stuff. It's so hard to accurately estimate size or distance and something in the sky especially when it's not near anything it's nuts it literally looked like a human with wide bat-like wings that spanned across both freeway lanes the being glided towards the car as if it was going to collide with the windshield dh braced himself for a collision but suddenly (laughs) the winged being flew over the vehicle 
Both occupants were extremely shaken to the point where DH pulled over onto the shoulder. DH stated that the being was dark brown in color with a shiny, wet-like appearance. The wings were leather-like and quite large. The body was five to six feet in length and thin, with a narrow head that had pointed ears. The eyes were hollow and dark. The being never flapped or moved its wings, as if it had another means of propulsion. <laughs> Jetpack. Uh, DH never reported the encounter and felt that no one would ever believe him. He felt comfortable relaying the encounter to me after reading about the Chicago incident. DH is a well-known and respected professional in the entertainment industry. I truly believe that his report is consistent with other inquiries my associates and I have received concerning these winged humanoids. Lon. Okay. Yeah. So I'm very upset that he did not describe it as skin-like or whatever. Flesh-like. Flesh-like. And also, like you know, he's he described, I, I admitted a little bit of like Lon's follow-up. He's um, talked about how fast he was driving, how fast he seemed to be flying in the opposite direction. And so they're passing each other really quickly and stuff. But nonetheless, he really should have been able to tell if it had a penis or not. I'm <laughs> disappointed in that as well. I also like that this creature went from, what, two to 3,000 feet up in the air you say how a it, mile it away. swooped way down and then it was like coming straight at their car. Way down, yeah. In his follow-up, he described how he was really freaked out and surprised by how quickly it managed to drop like that, too. It was just weird to him. So mm-hmm. don't know what he saw, but it was weird. One last update here, and this Go is uh, a personal update. Now I oh, shit. um over the at the you end of December you were in Chicago, I weren't was you? In Chicago. Oh my god, Jake! I'm so I um I'll try and uh, put something together. I I took some just like video and stuff, not of anything I saw, just general stuff I was looking at mm-hmm. while I was in Chicago. I was in part of the areas where some of the sightings were. A lot of it was in the little village uh, La Vita in Chicago. Oh um, my god! So just getting a sense of what the surroundings looked like I for am. anyone who's had the sightings and stuff. I will try and put something together and put it on our Instagram in the coming week. Ooh, I um, cannot so wait. We're still bi-weekly, so maybe I'll have it you know, the off week. Next week, I'll put this out um, if I can cut it together. If it's at all interesting when I try and put... I haven't actually... It's all on my phone still. I haven't looked at the footage yet to yeah, see if it's it worth a damn. It is. But um, being in Chicago and seeing you know, what the actual skyline looks like instead of what people could be seeing, seeing... It's a pretty spread out city as far as there's the main downtown area with a lot of actual high-rise buildings. And then there's um, a lot of it's not it's not really suburb it's still within the city limits but it's a whole lot more spread out buildings shorter and stuff Vieta is that way where there aren't a lot of tall structures to look at so it's different like little neighborhoods it gave me more perspective on what people have potentially been seeing one thing that really stuck out to me that I want to mention is um, went to the Field Museum which was so cool I've mm. always wanted to go there. Mm-hmm. Um, wish i could have spent a couple more days there continuously <laughs> uh left the field museum on the way out as we were driving away i looked up and i saw something in the sky and knew it wasn't the phantom because i don't think there is a phantom <laughs> um but i want to know okay what could it be that i'm seeing that looks like this is it a big bird because we talked about how in that 2017 there yeah <laughs> in 2017 there were um a bunch more bald eagles in the chicago area than there have been in years past they're making a comeback Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and juvenile bald eagles don't have the white head yet they're all dark in color very brown yeah Yeah. and so seeing one would be a weird thing to someone who hadn't seen one before because Mm -hmm. it's not something that has been in the area for Mm -hmm. a while so it seemed new and strange they are huge birds and uh it would look all dark and you can't i mean depending on the lighting you can't see individual feathers necessarily so who knows so, okay, what am I seeing that makes it look like I'm seeing the Phantom of the Chicago? It was something that was flying along. I could see it, and then it disappeared behind a building. 
so was, you know, close to downtown and stuff. Um, or at least I was seeing the buildings downtown, the high rises and such. Skyscrapers, if you will. We're from not cities, so it's everything. <laughs> I'm from a town of 3,500 people in you know, <laughs> central Maine. Everything seems huge to me city-wise. <laughs> Malls are still just a marvel to me. Um, it's like, what a novelty. Anyway, uh, <laughs> kept watching the building where it was, waiting to see it come out the other side. And when it came out, it was a plane. So seeing Ooh. a plane, it's like, all right, but it's easy to see how you could see something for a minute. And depending on how you're moving or how it's moving and the, it disappearing behind a building or just, just how things are there. It's really hard to tell. Like when I first saw it, I thought maybe it was a bird up closer. Then I realized, oh, no, it's a plane much further away. It's um, the sky makes it hard to tell perspective and distance and such. The buildings obscure stuff when they go what's that goes behind them. Very true. So it's yeah, it gives a better sense of like okay, there's a lot of different factors at play in in these different sightings, and there's a lot of different possible things people could be seeing that right. they then perceive to be some kind of huge bat. <laughs> right, right. It also helps too because planes make, as we all know, very high shrieking kind of and shrill planes, noise. Planes are very flesh like. Extremely flesh-like. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I will put out a little video on Instagram of uh, my time in Chicago. It was pretty fun. That's um, awesome. Yeah, good good place. I applied for some jobs out there, so maybe I'll end up out there. If I end up out there more long-term, I, I will give cry. much. Well, we'll still be recording, and it's not going to be permanent. We'll be coming back. I'm crying already. But, <laughs> but I can give much more um, detailed Phantom the Chicago updates every week. Oh, hell yeah. That'd be sick, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Man-on-the-street type reports of the... Uh, <laughs> you actually start seeing it, and you're just like, oh, my God. That would be thrilling everywhere. as fuck. Oh, my God. I want that so badly. Like any of this stuff, like we... Yeah, we talk about stuff we try and we dismiss like, oh, it's probably bugs. That was probably a bird. It's probably bird bugs. <laughs> but we want so much for this stuff to be real. It'd oh be my so god, fun! Yeah, it's so cool. What I a would, thrill. I that's why I keep reporting on the Phantom for like over a year now. I want it to be a real giant bat. It's probably not, but how cool would that be? I know it sounds like a lawn shot, but <laughs> we could see. Thank you. And with that, yeah, that, <laughs> yeah. that is my uh, catching up update for this week. Oh, I enjoyed it very much. And yeah, we will be back presumably next week. I mean, it might be nice to go bi-weekly for a little while longer just while I get my feet under me again. Yeah, and fair enough. what we're doing. We're fair, busy with stuff. Uh, but, we're um, busy. Science. Science. Science but calls. the episodes will keep on a coming. And uh, yeah. 2019, here we go. Yeah, baby. So thanks for listening. Thank you so much. If you have your own story or just suggestions for stories we could cover, topics you think would be cool to talk about, or just a neat article you saw somewhere you want us to see, send us an email at contact at superduperstitious.com. Yeah, we would be happy to read or look up those stories for you. Um, and in the meantime... Even if you just have like comments yeah, on the reach show, out. you want to say, like, hey, <laughs> you guys are dumb and I hate your show, that's fine. Yeah. Tell us what we can do to improve. Tell us, yeah. Or if you want to say, hey... Your show made me pee a lot of times. Yeah, That's like, fine. Like like if you had to get up three times during a story <laughs> segment because it was so ridiculous and hilarious and you haven't laughed that way in a long time. And it was unrelated to any of the beer or marijuana you had that evening. Exactly. Feel It'd free to let us know. Unrelatedly, shout out to Colin Buck. Cool guy. Nice guy. We will respond to your email in a minute. We have, we've have we been yeah busy Indeed. times, but we are very thrilled to have heard from you. Yeah. And thank we'll you talk, very much. Love to talk to you some more. That's right. Um, also, you can reach out to us on Instagram, too. I checked those messages there as well. And uh, 
Twitter. I could probably think about updating again someday. <laughs> it's a quiet branch. Yes. Facebook, that's also something we do update fairly regularly. <laughs> yeah. Once in a while. You put out cool, fun, spooky stuff. Whenever I see something interesting, yeah, I'll, you, uh, you're good about that. I'll so, post it up there. At any rate, we're happy to have had your uh, attention for this episode. And we'll see you next time. Sure thing. We're back, baby. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Bye.